And there was a point during the hurricane where in zero visibility, 60 mile per hour gust winds, you know, shit wind sideways. It was in that moment where I had a cabin full of babies that I had just rescued. And I thought to myself, God, if you're out there, please get us to the landing zone safe because I don't mind crashing in a helicopter and dying. That's kind of a cool way to go out in my opinion, (laughs) but we have these babies in here and I don't want that to happen to them. And I swear on my life that I looked out the right side cabin sliding door window and that visibility that used to be almost zero, it parted just enough for me to see this brilliant, white, beautiful cross shining back at me. And it was in that moment that I was just reminded, it like hit me like a ton of bricks where God was like, and I say this all the time in my speeches because it was such a profound moment, not only in my life, but in my faith walk. Um, I just felt God reminding me like my child, like, have I not commanded you be courageous? The Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. That's Joshua one nine. And that has been a pillar of moving forward in my faith walk that again, we can't go off of our emotions. We can't go off of what we see. Just know that God is with you. He's in the middle of every storm in your life. Even if you don't see it, he's working. Battle line podcast have a really awesome show for you guys. We have the author of this incredible book, The Hurricane Within, Ashley Ulbricht. Uh, formerly, you guys know Ashley Leppert, which is still her Instagram. But yeah, we've been meaning yeah. to have her on for a long time, and I'm yeah. excited to talk to her. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have her, have her on. She got, she's got a story a lot don't know about. And uh, um, it's always good because uh, our podcast, there's a lot of people we get on that have a lot of stories that people don't know about. And and honestly, uh, I think people are seeing out there that listen to the podcast or, or watch it on YouTube, which I highly recommend now that you've sure. got some cool stuff going on in the background. Yes. Um, Dude, Harold is is uh, by far, I'll say it many times, the best good. video editor we've had. He does a kick-ass job. I can't say it he enough. He does an excellent job. But um, if you, you, you'll find out that there are a lot of amazing stories out there. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, when I asked Ian if he want to start the podcast is because, you know, my, my story one of my stories, my stories, and I'm not being airy. I'm just saying I did, did it for many, many years. I was very blessed enough for it to get out there in a book and a movie. And there's many others like Mark has a tremendous story and, you know, Black Hawk Down, Dale Sizemore has a tremendous story. And those guys are part of that. But there are many out there that did similar things or have tremendous stories that don't get that. And I said recognition and air quotes because it is somewhat. And so I think our podcast allows that to get out. These people that have amazing stories that, didn't have a blockbuster movie or didn't have a you know best-selling book it doesn't mean their story in fact their stories need to get out there even more because there's so much out there amazing and heroic acts from from people that you've never heard of and you may never know unless you listen to our podcast so that's why yeah i, I, why I, I fully agree with that and i think now also um it's funny because i know and i'd love to get him on the podcast but ice cube has been doing this uh i think he's calling it the the fuck the gatekeepers podcast tour uh-huh. no, you, could, you could beep that out harold since i said it early in the <laughs> podcast um because i try i try to stay away from cursing early but it is what he's calling it f the gatekeepers but the reason i say it is i do think there's less gatekeepers now in that yeah you had to be a major name to yeah. get your name out there yeah. and now with podcasts it's like you don't have to have like a major pu- public relations person and it is great there's podcasts like ours and the team house and a million other great yeah. podcasts and some that suck quite honestly but some that are good that's that, right. that people it, it, can the, go the, on but the opportunities there yeah that's why i told it try it if, if you if you then well at least you know i mean you don't know if you're going to succeed unless you try 
And yeah. maybe if you don't succeed at something, well, then I've, I've failed many, many times. But that allows me to, hey, this is probably not what I want need to do. Or maybe I need to work a little harder at it. I think a lot of those guys, we've seen it. You, I think you can, you can uh, agree with me on this. Is There's many podcasts that could do well, but it doesn't take off like that, so they quit. It's like, wait a sec, guys, you, you got to put some time into it. There's not, not everyone just going to explode right off the bat. It doesn't work that way. There are some that do, but there's sometimes you got to put some work into it. And, and I think our podcast has done very, very well because we continually try to improve because we've made mistakes. It's like, well, oh, let's yeah. fix yeah. these mistakes. Well, like you talk about Harold, hey, not that we've had mistakes of people that have done <laughs> stuff before us, but we're like, yeah, it's just not really clicking. We need to find something that, that, fits us and it may be to us a little bit better and well, that's how you do it you just keep trying new things but you can't do it if you only do 10 episodes i mean yeah. that's it and it's not going to happen and that's just how it goes it's true and you got to have a game plan but uh yeah before we get to ashley and we're going to talk about a few different things it's been a couple of weeks since you've been on mm -hmm. um i do want to talk about ned of course it's funny mentioning ned uh i was just looking at rhett uh rhett's instagram and man he is traveling all over the place he is always hitting these cool national parks <laughs> it reminds me i gotta do yeah. some more traveling it's been a minute um and then ben davis from veterans outdoor advocacy group he's kicking ass too navy seal yeah. who we had on the show recently check that yeah. episode out if you haven't but with over 700 five-star customer reviews, Ned's Mellow Magnesium is an instant hit. Nourish your entire body with Ned's proprietary super blend with three forms of chelated magnesium, GABA, L-theanine, and over 70 trace minerals. It propels memory, mood, brain function, stress response, nerve and muscle health, and sleep. And about 75% of Americans are deficient in it. Yeah. If you're not getting enough sleep, you got to take a magnesium supplement or try their CBD. I love both. Yeah. Yep. Ned's Mellow Magnesium is now available on Amazon, but of course you're going to get the best deal through us as a first-time customer when you go to helloned.com slash battleline or just to enter the code battleline at checkout and uh, show them the power of the podcast. So that's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash battleline or once again, helloned.com slash battleline. With that, let's get right into everything. city to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Mother I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battleline Podcast. Which is on Battleline Podcast, and um, we had some news to hit last time we were on, so we didn't get a chance to like get an update with you. But um, basically, since the last time we spoke or didn't cover it on that episode, you were out of the country for the first time in years. 
Um, then you were in Florida and then you just did another training class. So you've been pretty busy. Uh, just, just uh, let's vacation guys. It's family time. And I take as much time as I can with the family and, and, and it's always fun. And my son, this is his last year at home before he goes to college. So it was special. And I Where's did. he going we, off to? We, we, uh, oh, he's going to, uh, I don't know if we can, his mama wants to say the state. <laughs> can you say the state? I mean, states yeah, are I, Iowa, Iowa. He's an okay, Iowa. And, cool. he, and he got a, and he's a tremendous athlete. He's got great genes, uh, you know, from his mom. And I, I've got, you know, I got, I'm okay. I was a pretty decent athlete growing up through college, but uh, he got a soccer scholarship and, and, and also a track scholarship, a dual scholarship. And then he also got some money because he got, he was a straight A student, which I never was. I don't know where he got the brain, but it wasn't for <laughs> me. That did come from me. So uh, very proud of that boy too, especially uh, for those that have listened to our podcast know from me talking is that him and I, because of my deployments and, and I was a lot different person back then I was, it, 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 any of us that have deployed many, many years, you're, it's hard to be a father. It's hard to switch off and, and you're, you know, you, you, I was, I was very mean. I, I ain't gonna lie. And him and I, you know, really didn't, didn't get close. We talked about it on the Corey Taylor podcast, the, the yeah. one with, until he was about 15. And now, yeah, now I love, you know, it, we have that relationship that I always wanted to have that I just couldn't figure out how to do it until, until those later years when I stopped deploying and stopped going on all those damn trips and stuff with the, because of the book and the movie. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I'm very proud of him because really he succeeded because he's got a tremendous mother, of course, <laughs> to his amazing. And also because he's just, a, he's just a good kid and I'm very proud of him. So yeah, we went to Florida and had a great time. Yeah, of course, hit a couple parks, uh, Universal and, and hit a couple of the Disney parks where we've been DVC members just haven't gone in a while because we just don't like the wokeness that's there. And, and I, I really this time going there and been there in three years. Uh, it's they've toned it down. I think they're figuring it out. You know that just family at Disney be family and you're going to get any bit you're going to have everybody there but don't try to put agendas in there just be Disney and it was it was just Disney except for Disney Springs the downtown area that isn't in a park you know that's still but but there's still I saw a lot more just you know just just like how I remember when I first started to go just families having a good time and and it, it wasn't really that packed I was very shocked that it's still i mean disney it's still busy for disney but it wasn't like i remember it's just you're trying to walk around like this in some of the parks which it makes me see and it also says that disney you still there's people like myself that still aren't going to go if you're going to stay in the political agenda arena if you're not just disney we're not coming back you know and, and the only reason we did really go to the parks because that's where my son wanted to go and it was his last so we're going there but we had fun great time uh, Universal, of course, was fantastic. Um, and then Disney has, one thing Disney still has not changed, and it's wonderful, is they do these fishing trips. You can do guided fishing trips with Disney. Disney they're, 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 they're employees at Disney that run these fishing boats around. So you're fishing around all the parks at all those lakes. And I I'll, I mean, I wish I could post the pictures of my kids. I, they, I'm no crap. You're catching bass this big. We each Sweet. caught in two hours, caught. My daughter caught the most. She caught six. The rest of us, oh, wow. even my, yeah, even my son, even my little peanut, he caught five. Mama Jeez. caught five. 
Um, this, is, this is like pretty good number because oh, I, I went, you saw my picture of fishing <laughs> yeah, here yeah, on yeah. Long Island. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it. I was lucky to catch one thing. Like my friend George, he didn't catch a thing. So yeah, and that's, it's a very, that's Long Island compared to Florida, yeah, probably. It's to Florida, but it's a hidden secret because they don't advertise it a ton. In fact, it's like the fishing, the fishing charters for Disney are like the redheaded stepchildren of the rest <laughs> of the stuff at the park. They don't get any money. They get no, they get no pr promotion, nothing. You just have to find them when you get there. And because of being DVC members going there since for years, I, we did. And, and now I, I, and my son, Christian, you know, he caught two lunkers, humongous. And it's, did you and get it's, to eat I, them? Well, you throw them back. Bass aren't really oh, good eating. Any, well, bass aren't good to eat though. It's not like you, you were catching tuna, weren't you? Like, no, no, you know? I caught, um, I was able to eat it. It, it was, uh, it was, uh, not flounder, uh, fluke. fluke. Yeah. But I, yeah, they they washed it. I, I have my grill outside. I just threw Flukes, them on the grill. And looks good. That's the stable for you find a lot in just the stores. A good, good. It good was good. Fish. I mean, I do worry about like the mercury in general, and and I'll especially be honest, up I mean, where these, you're at. Yeah, these water, yeah, the man. water on Long Island, like this, this is not like the clear water of, of no, Florida. <laughs> no. Um, but, but but whatever. I bass aren't it. Bass are good. good eating though, bud. You, they're just not. They're they're not good tasting. Bass is a sport fish. You throw them back and. But uh, yeah, I'm it was, that. It, I mean, I've never eaten bass in my life. So, no, yeah. they, it's not really good. Good eating fish. It's just good to catch. But it was two hours wonderful. We had this guy, Bobby, loved him. He was amazing. Again, it, it's it, there's it's it's Disney. It's just you got country boys taking you out to fish on the Disney property and seeing the parks from the lakes angles. It's actually pretty cool. I, I mean, you're nice. seeing it from a different perspective. But then again, it's and it's just it's just fishing. We're just fishing, man, and. And, uh, and then we came home and I had that course that one day carving and that was so fun. I just great bunch of guys and the course went smooth, perfect weather for, you know, it wasn't too hot. It was about 80, but it was overcast. And, and, uh, the people that came, I had, a, I had one current, I actually had an active duty hunter first guy come in. That was oh, wow. a great kid, great kid. Him and his dad was, his dad brought him in and his dad, uh, actually writes for, I uh, used to write for American outdoor magazine, but his dad was another great participant that was there had a Marine Lance Corporal that came in and he, it just was a good, good, solid course to come out. Right. I mean, I just got back the night before, so I wasn't really excited to get up and go teach that day. But once we got into it, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. And Ryan Duvier who helps me out out there, you've met Ryan Lurch. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah, he, you know, he always makes it, he's always smiling. I don't think he ever he's a great dude. Brown and, and Jeremy, Jeremy actually came in, Mitchell came in and helped out. So, uh, it was a good way to end kind of the vacation. And now, you know, now here I am, here I am with you. Yeah. Well, you were all, and, and uh, I mentioned it as well, we didn't talk about it last time, but you were back when we, when you were on, um, you also had a speak engagement out of the country for the first time. Actually, no, no, that, that one, that one wasn't coming up. That one actually was just in, where was oh. I, I, I? No, no. Yeah. That was, I got the one in St. Kitts coming up. The one nice. that I went Are to. Are you going to do like cool stuff or are you just going to speak and then fly home no i mean it's it's a lot st kitts is a long, long flight you got to fly yeah. to miami and then it's another four hours so no i'll stay <laughs> i'll stay an extra day i just know I, you for being like all right i'm gonna speak and then get the fuck out no, of here because that, i think of you know when we we're in vegas like vegas um you didn't do any cool vegas stuff i didn't i didn't really last time either i as you know though i was in vegas more recently for an identity access management conference yeah, yeah. with my boss adam who, by the way, we gotta gotta get Adam's dad. On get the Adam on, yeah, Adam's yeah. dad is a Vietnam vet uh, and a big two A guy, and apparently has some really good stories. So Adam's like, you should have my dad on. But yeah, that was one of those where I just I flew in for the conference, we recorded stuff, and then I went home. But like, 
if I'm in Vegas, man, I like to hit some concerts. I like to hit a magic show or something. Like I like to do cool stuff, you know. The the one I went to was Marco Island, which was right outside Naples. It's it's still a night. Oh, okay. I mean, it might as nice. well be outside yeah, cool. of the country. It's still a Marco Island's like a tremendous. Yeah, I stay and I know I stayed extra day. I love whenever I go to Marco Island or Naples, they have some of the best beaches I think in the world, not just this country, the world. So of course I got to go run. So yeah, I went and ran on the beach and ran for probably too far because it is still you know it's it. It's June, what was it june in in naples florida or marco island florida that's 180 percent humidity and uh i ran about four miles out there and just it was wonderful i spoke in the morning and then i had the rest of the day to just chill out and and the, it was the concrete uh it's a concrete contract for con i i know forgive me you guys i know some of you guys are listeners out there but it's they they build all the concrete roads and they do all the concrete for the state of florida and they just they were great they treated me so well and they're and they didn't really hey come and speak and then hang out for a little bit and then you can have the rest of the two days and they the room they got me yeah, a lot of these corporate they do a good job and this isn't doing they give me a really nice room so i can relax and uh, and yeah yeah i, I kind of wanted to go home right away but i couldn't find a flight so i stayed the day and i just did it was just fun i just relaxed i stayed at the resort and I, I relaxed and ran on the beach and, and just enjoyed myself, worked out real hard because that's what I enjoyed doing. And then yeah, I, I was going to say, this dinner. is so funny because for the audience, they're like, this does not sound like enjoying the, like, you're like, I went for a run. I worked out. It's not like I went to a great restaurant. I, oh, I, you know, I go, saw I a show of some sort. You're, I don't, I just stop my thing, man. I just don't do that. I, I, I really don't. I, I and I, I did eat at a great restaurant because the hotel was the it was at the JW Marriott there in Marco Island, which is a nice hotel. They had great restaurants. Of course, I ate there. And I just like honestly, I like to go downstairs if they have a, if it's a nice resort and just sit in the lobby with a cup of coffee and just not really people watch, but just kind of veg out because it's it's so relaxing. And a lot of those hotels, you know, they've, they've got the good feng shui, the feng shui going on. And that's what I did. And then I talked to my wife and kids and I got on plane and I flew home. And the next week I was, or the next few days, what was it? A couple of days later, we were driving to Florida and we stayed at uh, Fairhope, Alabama. Another wonderful place there. If you ever want to go on vacation, you want to go to Florida, go down to stay at the, uh, oh, wait, what is it called? The Grand Hotel right out on Point Hope in Alabama, right off the, the bay. It's another hidden secret, another hidden gem for nice vacations i mean it, it's pricey you can get a little expensive but if you're going on a vacation Although it's probably not pricey compared to here not nothing well, uh, yeah nothing's after. pricey compared to there bro that's it's not <laughs> true and it's la and, and new york are like another level crazy so. but and but if you're going on vacation you're putting money away that's what i do i save money so i can go on these vacations because they're with five kids with three kids and a wife it costs a yeah lot of money i don't have money. to deal with that that's that's yeah, the good yeah. thing about being single yeah you don't but it was it was but uh, <laughs> it was it was wonderful and i said Kudo, you know, I really did. I really was, and I do. I, I don't. I, I don't want to go to Disney and go to the parks and and see the wokeness and and. Yeah, but you're was, also like a fifty-something-year-old man. It's not really for me and you. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, like, yeah, but, but it's other it's, than but, the rock and roller coaster, I would go to that again. That the was fun, Hollywood man. Studios is still fun. And did you go did. on the rock and roller coaster? Yeah, because we did. I. I mean, this, it's so cool having Aerosmith just like blasting in your ears while you're on a roller coaster. We, that we, appeals to we, me. But yeah. Oh yeah, you always go on that. That's a we, we're going to Disney for like I said 20 plus years. I've been going since I, since Iraq, since I was going to Iraq in 04. and uh, yeah, so we did all of it. We did rock, rock ter tower, terror, rock and roll roller coaster. My kids like Hollywood Studios the best at all the parks. We go to Magic Kingdom. The Tron ride they had there was actually pretty cool. 
I got a lot. The, the new Tron, and I love Tron. I grew up on the first movie with Jeff Bridges, and then the second one was amazing as well. I, I think it was a lot better than people thought. So I love the Tron ride, but for the big kids still, Universal still, because they got, they have a, they have a rock and roll roller coaster there at Universal that you can actually get in and pick your own tunes. And I pick Motley oh, Crue sure. as you're, you go in, it's that's, got oh, your that's list. That's awesome. You, you should go, dude. And it's, what, what it, would it be like? Kickstart my heart or something like that? Kickstart I feel like my that's heart. Yeah, no, on. that's, it's kickstart my heart. They got that one. And then if you want to, cause it's got it, this skydive naked <laughs> from a narrow plane, which, <laughs> <Yeah>. which works <laughs> perfectly. And then, but you can, they've also got like Eminem on there. Lose yourself. That's what, of course my, my son put on there. My daughter, I forgot to ask her, but there's a country song, a, a country, Leonard Skinner's. I mean, there's just, but it's cool. It's different. It's honestly a little bit better than the Aerosmith one at Hollywood Studios because you can pick your own music while you're going through. It's that. also probably updated because because yeah. that rock and roller coaster was there when I was a little, when yeah. I was like 13 or 14. So still the same. Nothing's changed. Yeah. It's still the same. same. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't think um, I'll ever go to Disney we, I, again. I think and it is not just the parks. We just had a lot of fun just at family. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply go in the pool and hanging out playing at the pool and, and miniature golf all my kids love mini golf and i love doing that too and and uh yeah but it was it was a wonderful wonderful way to, to relax and and the two weeks was necessary i needed that two weeks because nice yeah i haven't had a my head vacation in years and my head wasn't right so yeah, yeah i good. i don't think i'll ever go to disney again but it's all it has nothing to do with politics it just you know there's no reason for me to go like, yeah it, it, i'm a 37 it, year old man without kids so yeah there's no reason. next vacation it's funny man because we were talking about being outside the country and i think i mean I, I think back to it feels like it hasn't been that long but i haven't been outside the country in seven years costa rica and then i think back to israel and i remember going to israel and being like i gotta come back here and that was 2005. And it's like, it's crazy to think how much time flies. So I'll have to do it again at some point. I, at some point, I want to do Japan. Um, it's just, it's hard to find the time to do all this and work. And, you know, but uh, the cool thing is with the podcast too, as you know, like Dylan, who does stuff with us, yeah. he's got a place in Vegas. So I could go down there at any time, um, you know, but I would like my next trip to not just be uh, all work. I mean, I, I do need that as well. I do need a time. Yeah, to chill. you need to sh well, even shut down. Even, you know, I, I just, I turn everything off. People to, couldn't get a hold of me. And those that know me understand those that don't. There's a couple people I pissed off. Like, I don't give a shit, dude. I, I'm with my family, but phone, phone's yeah. off. I'm done. No, I'm not talking to any of you. <laughs> Leave me the F alone. I just need, and and especially being my son's really, I mean, we'll go on vacation again, of course. My son's not like he's, he's, he's disappearing. He's going to college, but this was like the last family vacation where everybody was still at home. And yeah. now, and my wife, yeah, I, 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 I it's going to bother, you know, of course I'm, I'm going to cry when you go to college. My wife definitely is because she took, she, she raised that boy when I was gone all the time. I mean, she was, she was it. She was father and mother because of I was gone all the time. And I, you know, I, I can tell around them. She loves my daughter, of course. She loves my little boy. But there's that bond that is with that, my oldest, because I wasn't around. And so it was just her and him. And, and uh, 
Man, I, I one of these days I am going to post the video of where they used to send me when I first time I saw him walk was on Skype. The first time he even said a word, like actual word, I saw it on Skype because I was gone. And a lot of you guys out there listening know what that feeling's like. But watching yeah, I think Corey that Taylor now, said the same thing yeah, when he was on. When he was gone, I mean, there's a lot of those things that that. But my wife, you know, just her watching it and remembering her putting that on there. And me, I mean, it's the same. You know, it, it hurts. It's just as hard on the person that's there. This, this parents that's there then the parent that's gone yep. and uh yeah I, I i yeah i um i i i my wife had a wonderful time too she was she it just there it was just a good vacation we it was a great vacation man it was a great cool. time as a family so i i can't i can't complain and and now i'm back here in kansas in my little town and and yeah it's life's good bro i mean it's just cool. you, you know i say it, it's good we're good barbecue some water that got still got these little munch bars out there that I used to have in the MREs. These are gold. All you Ranger school guys from back in the nineties and the two thousands, you know what I'm talking about. If you found one of these in an MRE, it was like, Oh my gosh, I got a gold bar in my MRE. We still yeah, have, it's like I've never seen those, but that's because it's these are so old, but they have American. So I'm talking about small town and, and, um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's just, it's good. And then now I'm, I'm, and now we're back after, but I can't really say I'm working. Yeah. I don't feel ever feel like I'm working. The stuff I do isn't a job to me. And that's how it should be. In my opinion. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm working, but not just this. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of, I'm doing a lot of different things. I've been extremely shit. busy. Actually, I've had like no time to do anything. The only, the only little break from all that I could say I got recently was on Saturday. I saw LA guns for probably like the sixth time. Holy and, shit. Dude, how old are they now? They're, old as they're me, around they? your age, man. Yeah, they're around a long <laughs> ass time. It's not that they... long, though. I mean, Aerosmith is still touring. Kiss is still touring. They're not I mean, as old on. as them. So those guys are like ninety. I don't. I, there's there is a time to wrap it up. L.A. Guns isn't that. L.A. Old, Guns but... is still great, and it's funny because I was sending Jimmy Allen a video, and the funny thing about L.A. Guns is that Phil Lewis still tries to look like all glam on stage. Tracy Guns is just up there in basketball shorts and Jordans <laughs> and shredding, man. And he still sounds, I still think Tracy Guns is one of the best guitarists out there. Um, so it's cool. I, I always say I have no interest in going back to Connecticut, but the show was in Connecticut. So I drove to, drove yeah. to CT because it was on a weekend. I, I can't really do anything during the weeks these days. And uh, yeah, had a great time, man. And actually, I mean, it's summer. There's a ton of concerts coming up, a ton of tours. Um, even guys we've had on the show, like uh, Corey Taylor, he's got a summer tour. I'll yeah, try to hit one yeah. of those. Um, and then we have uh, the lead singer. I don't, it's funny to say singer because there's no singing in Carnifex, but like the lead vocalist <laughs> of Carnifex. Uh, yeah, those guys sim very up, similar though. name to mine, Scott yeah. Ian Lewis. Scott Ian Lewis. Um, yep. he'll, they're up. on tour. So there's a, there's a ton of great summer shows coming up, uh, no matter where you are, really. If you look at the tour dates for like them, Corey Taylor, yeah. um a lot of it even um you know jimmy allen has been in them for years with puddle of mud because they have a new album coming out in september which i was just texting jimmy about you know, so I, that, a lot of I, stuff until if jimmy's watching buddy i so, i'm sorry when i changed my phone number i totally spaced it and i didn't give it to jimmy so i will but i'm not gonna give it here on the podcast but if you're listening my apologies i'm a douchebag i will get you get you my new self so we can we can conversate because i think he hit up ryan at fort scott and said hey is tano all right and ryan hit me up and I, hey did you tell jimmy i'm like holy shit no i didn't man so i apologize i just want to do that publicly right here for everybody jimmy 
my bad, brother. You can kick me in my nuts next time you come. If he hears down this, I mean, I know he's a fan. I don't know if he listens to if every he listens episode. To it, but... If he does it, but if he hears it, it's just a shot in the dark. If he does, I'm yeah, it's true. It'll, it'll be cool if he just happens to be hearing it and hears that. But yeah, he's he's a great dude. I was because yeah. I was sending him video of Tracy Guns just shredding, and I was. I mean, he knows better than me because he's such a good guitarist. Yeah. Even though, um, uh, basically, like their styles, his, uh. Phil's style, I, I was sorry, Tracy's style is more of like a just shredding to the max style. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. you know, Puddle of Mud, it's more just that riff, just hard rock riffs. That's what they do. Well, it's, so. got, it's, got, it's got more soul. I, you know, I, I think it, just even listening back to ACDC, the, a lot of those bands, and why, why change that formula? You, when you got that good bass soul in there and then you got a person that can actually put those riffs together, that's I, I mean, you're not trying to make money but that's that's what sells but that's also to me that's what sounds the best i do like people that can tear it up but when you got oh, I that love good I love you got that good you got solos. that good uh, but you got that good well even van even van halen when oh, you got that good good van halen had it all rhythm. they had everything yeah rhythm and then you can throw in a good tear it up and then get back to the rhythm like like i, I use the example acdc because they they know how to do it and they just everything you can you just when you can start doing and you're not if anybody that's watching us on youtube watching my head and listen to a rock band and now you start doing this they're good that's that's yeah. a, that's a good fucking rock band right, right there and uh, I, and jimmy and jimmy you know he knows that because he sorry puddle mud he hey man if you hadn't had jimmy allen you wouldn't be where you're at today and you can hate me for saying that but that's the god honest truth i don't think i don't do think that. they do though because i i've actually you know i watched like all these interviews and wes scantlin like i i saw an interview with him where they were asking him about uh she hates me and he's like yeah that was me and jimmy like I, yeah. so I, I do i do think it's cool they still give credit and he still talks to him apparently but Good. anyway Good. more importantly we've got ashley Le ashley leopard previously i have to remember ashley ulbricht because i'm looking at the cover when it was ashley leopard coming on but before we do i've got my fort scott munitions shirt on we were just talking about fort scott munitions <laughs> fort scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition it's designed to tumble upon impact. Harold, if you pan over to me, I've got my uh, tin over here. Uh, but yeah, I love their stuff. Uh, tumbles upon impact and soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in every state, but you could just go to fsm.com, use the promo code BATTLELINE, you'll get 15% off ammo, 15% off shirts like the one I happen to be wearing. Um, I don't know about some of the more higher price gear. You'll get some type of discount on those from what I know. Um, you just go to fsm.com, simple as that. Promo code BATTLELINE. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE Podcast. And yeah, this is what you shoot with if you come to a course. This is amazing ammo. Best, best out there by far. And the company itself, just so much integrity. They always try to do it right. Whether they screw up, they always try to make something right. Whether it's not their fault or somebody else's fault. Which I, I gamble shipping or anything like that. They always... 
have the intestinal fortitude to try to make it right. And that says a lot for their character. And it is within their products because their products are tremendous. So yeah, and if you ever come to a battle line course, they give us wholesale prices on ammo if you attend the course. So sometimes just coming to the course, it's worth it because you're getting such a like a 35% discount on ammo. You guys, that's a lot for and ammo is expensive these days. And that just says a lot about their integrity, but also their product is tremendous. So yeah, best on the market, guys, by far. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get over to Ashley Obrick. So joining us for the first time on the podcast is someone we've followed for a while, has followed the podcast for a while, but we're happy to do it. Um, Ashley Obrick, formerly Ashley Leopard, I should say, because that's on the book itself, uh, Coast Guard Air Medal recipient, flight mechanic, um, rescued people and helped people out during the Category 4 Hurricane Harvey in, uh, in Texas in 2017. Um, and there's a ton of stuff we could talk about. I mean, guest of uh, President Trump during the 2018 uh, State of the Union address, you speak about that in here. Uh, and by the way, it was cool watching you get a whole standing ovation. And uh, actually, the first thing I'll say is this is just an extremely well-written book. I love the fact that like every chapter starts with a quote, whether it's like an inspirational quote or a Bible verse. Like I, you, I tell you, put a lot of, a lot of heart into this. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I can't take solo credit. I had a lot of good people in my life that helped me fine tune and edit it. But yes, thank you. I just wanted to be authentic and real. It is. And that's why and that's the best way to be. People can see through bullshit right off the bat if, they, if you got it. I mean, I still see through my bullshit all the time, especially my wife. But more than anything, she's been around me enough. Uh, Amen, actually, brother. You know, do this since it people may not have read the book or that follow our podcast or may not know your story and since you know and you know if, if you're good we'll have you on again i don't know we'll see we'll see how why do you always start the interview with <laughs> we'll have you on again they haven't even heard <laughs> no her pressure, say anything right? i just said yeah. she's good i put that precursor nothing has happened yet we got it but uh what i just just tell us your story I, and, and i think that's the best way to start with this is just hey why why did the battle line podcast have ashley on and and of course pitch your book but not so much that that's not gonna get them to go buy it we still want we still want to make you some money out there if we can but uh but yeah tell us your story and 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 you know just start from the beginning my start would be where i want to know is is not from the beginning growing up man maybe you can throw in there but your military you know what made you join and 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 how'd that go and if you got any funny stories from there let's let's go with that Wow, where do I begin? I guess I'll give you the cliff note version, but um, I think the theme of my life and uh, my military service is that God can use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Um, There is nothing special about me. I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit, middle class home, um, and I sort of went through uh, a lot of various trials in my early upbringing, and I kind of think I was running towards something and I didn't know what I think we can all kind of relate to that at our youth and in our um you know our growing years in our 20s and I wanted to serve I just loved this country and when I was pitching it to my parents they're like mm, Marines Army Air Force but I was like Coast Guard and they're like yeah you'll be in the United <laughs> States we can get down with that <laughs> so I just I joined and you know I loved every minute of it and um you know the blessings that come from that I sort of never really recognized would be there but I just I just say good job at doing my job you know and as you know Chris nobody goes in for the awards and the medals we just want to know that we completed the job seamlessly and that our training 
you know, went off without a hitch. And I, I was grateful for that. So what was the Coast Guard when you Coast Guard training like when you first got there? I, I've had some buddies that have gone through that. And and actually, it's a funny story is that that was what I first picked to go into was actually go through the Coast Guard Academy. And then I got the Ranger spiel and like, no, I'm I, and I dumped the contract because I had actually a contract go through the Coast Guard Academy uh, to become an officer at direct commission. But yeah, the, the Ranger recruiter saw me and said, what? what Coast Guard? <laughs> come, come on, man, you would be a Ranger. Um, but you know, go through that because uh, we talk about, we have a lot of guys that have been in the military, Air Force, Army, and we talk about basic training. We have never talked about Coast Guard basic ever. So let's talk about it because Hey, your subject matter expert number one right there. Let's let's go through that because I, I've heard it, it can be quite difficult. And by the time is there there's some hazing every once in a while because you are off the radar. Nobody's paying attention because it's the Coast Guard. Ah, oh, it's Coast Guard. I've heard some stories that it can get a little it can get a little squirrely up there. They can do some things to you because you are off the radar. So if you have any of those stories, you can tell us. Tell us, and I want to hear them. Well, first of all, the, the banter against the Coast Guard is still there. We're like the redheaded stepchildren of the military. So I'm, I'm down for the jokes if you got them. But, uh, you know, I feel like I was a little bit more prepared for Coast Guard boot camp simply because I had been on the swim team my whole high school career. So I was very comfortable in the water. Um, but I believe if I'm saying this correctly, the Coast Guard boot camp is second hardest um, under the Marines as far as is training because there's so much water survival. Um, you have to be comfortable, as you guys know. I mean, being under the water is is very scary. So you have to be able to step out of that fear in your mind, like a lot of things in life, and just focus on the end goal, which for me was graduating and be able to fly in helicopters and do badass missions and save people. Um, but Coast Guard Boot Camp itself um, it's simply a mind game. They they will work with you as far as the physical aspects. If you can't do X amount of push-ups or if you can't swim, you know, your 50 yard in X amount of time, like they'll work with you to a certain extent. But if you don't have it here, you're not going to make it out there when, when shit hits the fan and you've got to go on these missions like flying in the middle of a hurricane, you know. So I think they weed out the week in boot camp and I just happen to, you know, make it through which i'm grateful by the grace of god but i didn't drown and didn't kill anybody so we're good <laughs> <laughs> and you're yeah you're spot on the 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 water aspect oh you know the, the seals that just died a few you know was because of hypothermia or, or it was or they had something on me with the lungs i can't remember and we talked about it but yeah the danger and, and when you say just die, i mean there was a statement on it but right. uh it's it, a couple years it was point, a couple yeah. years ago the, the, the most recent that has been in the yeah. in the media um but you're right. The water train, water, it has a mental game with you. And and I, I do remember going, even at Ranger Battalion, I was on the water infiltration team, which I was like, why do we have a water infiltration team? We'll never do it. It'll get the recon Marines will get it or the SEALs will get it. I think they're just doing it so they can haze the shit out of us. But, yeah. Yeah. but doing the drown proofing or even back in the day when we used to do the flutter kicks and they put the hose and you charge your mask and they put the hose in your mouth and watching. And I picked it up pretty early and I, I, and I wanted to see if you agree with it that as long as you didn't panic, they would always move on to that next person or they'd quit trying to drown you if you would stop panicking, ripping your, and it was the ones they that were kept panicking in the water that they kept going after. Is that what you saw just on your specific events is that once you could calm yourself down in the water, like, it's, it's like a, a dog with a chew toy. As soon as that chew toy is done, they'll go to the next chew toy or the cat will go to the next mouse that's still alive. And I remember that, just, just relax. 
take a breath of water, drink it. It's just water. Okay. And then they'd move to the next person that kept panicking. What did you see on a lot of your drown proofing exercises or the water exercises? Did you see that same thing uh, as far as just being able to calm your mind? So the instructors would quit screwing with you. Well, you know, the instructors, they can smell the fear. Yeah. You know, they can see it. They can yes. look at you and say, is this person going to break? Um, but full transparency, the rescue swimmer program, they did the hardcore, like what you're talking about with the flutter kicks and the hosing and the underwater, um, you know, survival techniques. Yeah. Um, that's more of the rescue swimmer um, training facility that they go through. Um, but just regular Coast Guard boot camp, um, we did... Um, certain amount of swims with like all of our heavy gear on and things like that. So we did like the preliminary and then we went to our avionics, like my um, tech school. That's when we got a little bit more in depth with like the, um, the dunker, um, the, the under. Yeah. So, uh, like, talk about could, that. Yeah. Talk about the dunker. Tell me what cause I see. I never got to do that. And that looked, that looked like a, like a fun ride, but still like, oh my gosh, I'm in a cockpit. Is that one like where they, you, like you simulate a crash going in, right? And you have to get out of a helicopter or a jet and you're underwater. Is that what the dunker is, right? Yeah, so okay. let me paint the scene for you. So it's like this big crane over the pool. It's like a simulated helicopter and everybody gets in. So you have your pilot's co-pilot position and then you have all your crew position and you just strap in. You don't have any heads bottle, you know, your underwater yeah. uh, oxygen. You don't have any of that. And you're just like slowly the water's rising as you're going down your leg. <laughs> wow. Cool, like, I might just not make it out today in this training facility. Like it's super embarrassing, but everybody's playing cool. Like, oh, I got this. <laughs> but the second that water hits right here, everybody kind of just starts internally panicking. Nobody enjoys the dunker. It like straight up sucks. I'm not going to lie. Um, but there are these like the, the instructors there like standing by in case someone sure. like taps out with a cutthroat. And um, but yeah, you basically not only do you have to get out of the helicopter, but there's like a sequence of events that you have to follow like to a T. For example, you have to do your, you know, your, um, your check. So you have to pretend that you're getting the survival knife and cutting your seatbelt. Um, and then you have to do your five point harness and then you can't kick with your legs because you could kick somebody else. So you have to use your arms and slowly find your way to the oh, exit. I didn't. I yeah, I didn't want to wear that. Okay, keep going. I, I, I guess I never really paid attention to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's wow, okay. wild, dude. And like you're doing all of this and like trying to keep track of the steps like while you're upside down. So you have water going in your nose. Like, oh. dude, it's just it's a mess. Um, but that's another um, example of where they weed out all the people that just like can't make it. Because if you crash in a helicopter in the water, like survival is, is pretty key there. So. Well, it, it, I'll no, be it, the first to well, say, yeah. you know, as the outlier with no military training in this discussion, I would tap out. I know it. You know, like I'm not someone who's going to sit here and be badass. I mean, there's a few things probably that military guys do that I could do. This is definitely not one of them. I am not comfortable with any of the simulated drowning at all. I'd be out immediately. And actually, to me, that goes into partially why this book is so important of a read. Because I will say, I mean, when people think of the job that you did on helicopters and the training you went through, it is stereotypically like a very macho masculine thing. And I don't think there's enough books. I mean, I know like Amber Smith, formerly Amber Barno wrote a book about her time as a pilot or like Carrie uh, uh, Lorenz, if I saying her name right. But, um, you know, there's a few books, not not as many. Like there's not, there's way more books with a story like Tonto's or we said Mark's Luttrell's, yeah. but a book like this that could show that, yes, you could be a feminine female 
that does badass stuff. I like and I like you, how you said feminine too. We excellent. It's job. true. I mean, That's but you are you are fully indicative of that. Like people seeing the podcast could see you are one hundred percent female. You're wearing a dress right now, and you do stuff. <laughs> that the average man <laughs> would be very scared to do, including myself. And honestly, that's the funniest part about going through some of these trainings is you see like the most badass, buff, muscular dude who you're like, oh, he's not yep. scared of this. And right before we go under, they're like, wait, 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 no, I need like five more minutes. Hold on. And I'm just sitting there rolling, laughing. And that's <laughs> the funniest part. <laughs> uh, it's a testament to that physical strength there's a necessity for that but uh, anything that you go through that's arduous that's that needs to be a vetting process to weed people out it's the mental it's the mind game that's what get most people it's not the physical stuff it's the mental mind i call them in the ranger way i say fuck fuck games that's what gets you and that's what it is because you in your head you're sitting there and you're simulating things could, could go wrong Instead of just turning your head off, it's like, stop thinking of all the bad stuff. Can you turn it off and just do, and it's, and honestly, it's very easy because they give you a set of steps that you have to go through that you have to think about it. So stop thinking about all the bad stuff. Let's just focus on, okay, step one, I got to, I got to cut my strap. Step two, I got to let my, and that allows you to turn all those bad things off and just focus on, this is my job. But that's essentially what you're going to do under duress too. Is and we'll get into the hurricane because we we could segue right into the hurricane, but I don't want to do that yet because we still got a lot of time. But where something is for real, and now it's like, okay, what do I do? How do I not panic? I got a job to do. Step by step, let's just do this job, and 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 I don't have to worry about the bad things because I can focus on what is in front of me, what they're requiring me to do, step by step. But I think that's what helps many people that get through it. And in your case, especially because you even mentioned it, is that. I thought about the step-by-step -step stuff. I didn't think about the panic. Yeah, it still sucked when the water gets up. So, okay, when the water gets to right here, what did you do to turn off? And maybe we may be reiterating the same point I'm saying, but what did you do to turn off that panic switch? Because I panicked too when the water started to get up there. I'm like, and you had to turn it off somehow. What did you do specifically in your head or, or physically? I mean, like 100%, it's uncomfortable. Like, I'm not even going to deny that. It's uncomfortable. Nobody enjoys doing that. And if you do enjoy it, you're, you might be not firing on all cylinders. You know what I'm saying? But I think, and, and this is in multiple aspects in life, we fail to realize how powerful our brain is and how powerful our yeah. thoughts are. And if we can focus on, for example, going to the dunker and knowing, okay, this is going to suck. I'm going to be under the water. They're going to simulate us basically drowning in a helicopter. How are you going to react? And I'm just going to tell myself, oh, I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to survive. I'm going to follow my steps and stick to our training because it kicks in. Our training always kicks always in. Yeah. And also I had to remind myself, like, I'm not going to die. Like worst case scenario, I cut throat, I tap out, my homies over there give me a hard time for bailing, and then I retry it, right? Like, Or, I'm or you pass bad. out and they do revive you. I mean, they're go that's what I thought, because that happened to guys. Guys would drink one, they pass, they, they always got revived. And they, exactly. they just like, I got guys, they're gonna, they'll make me come back to life, I'll be good to go. 100%, <laughs> yeah, it's just a matter of like, 
we as human beings like decision make off emotions a lot of time and not facts. And the fact is nobody has ever really died doing that, right? It's a training simulation. So if we can focus our attention on the facts, okay, Ashley, you know, you're training, you're not going to die. It's going to suck, but you're going to push through and you're going to get out and you're going to go have beers later and celebrate that you're done. Like, let's focus on the good stuff here. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> and, and also, I mean, a big thing in the book and people who follow you on Instagram, I mean, it sounds like faith is a huge part of you being able to overcome obstacles like that it is the 100 foundation of who i am and how i'm truthfully standing here sitting here before you today is is my faith and my trust that no matter what happens my creator has my back the creator of the universe has my back like man if that doesn't give you a warm and fuzzy to navigate the um you know the hard times in life you know i don't really know what will <laughs> Did you have faith going, faith, strong faith going in, or did it resonate more and get stronger once you were there? That's what happened to me. I, I had to go to church growing up, but I, I went to church because I had, to. I, I, God was in my life, but, but it was a side note. Yeah, I know God's there. My faith got stronger the longer I stayed in and the more I saw. Um, some guys, it's the opposite. What was yours like? Did you already have strong faith or were you like, hey, Christian, yeah, God's in my life, but that's because it's it's a traditional family god's in the god's in our life that's just how it is and then it got stronger or were you really strong in the begin with and and it just it was that's what made it so easy for you to have that faith my mine was the opposite i had to grow my faith grew um uh, as i stayed in well you know i grew up with knowing of god um yeah. but to answer your question i was sort of struggling at this point in my life i had gone through watching my parents struggle with addiction i had gone through a sexual assault my body was failing me at this time because i was battling this rare autoimmune thing and i was frustrated with that and i um i had a moment where i was like you know god i'm a little pissed off at you like i feel like i'm trying to believe in you and around every corner i feel like you're not there working in my life um and there was a point during the hurricane where in zero visibility 60 mile per hour gust winds you know shit wind sideways it was in that moment where I had a cabin full of babies that I had just rescued. And I thought to myself, God, if you're out there, please get us to the landing zone safe because I don't mind crashing in a helicopter and dying. That's kind of a cool way to go out in my opinion, <laughs> but we have these babies in here and I don't want that to happen to them. And I swear on my life that I looked out the right side cabin sliding door window and that visibility that used to be almost zero, it parted just enough for me to see this brilliant, white, beautiful cross shining back at me. And it was in that moment that I was just reminded it like hit me like a ton of bricks where God was like, and I say this all the time in my speeches because it was such a profound moment, not only in my life, but in my faith walk. Um, I just felt God reminding me like my child, like, have I not commanded you be courageous? The Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. That's Joshua one nine. And that has been a pillar of moving forward in my faith walk that again, we can't go off of our emotions. We can't go off of what we see. Just know that God is with you. He's in the middle of every storm in your life. Even if you don't see it, he's working. And so in the middle of this physical storm, I had this internal storm that I was dealing with and God just calmed both of them and, and, and revealed himself for, to me in that moment. And, um, you know, that's why I, 
have been sort of on this journey to be so loud with my story and with my, um, my inspiration and my faith, because I think the world more than ever needs to hear that now in this dark spiritual warfare, I believe that we're in. And so um, it's not about Ashley Albright or Leopard, you know, it's about me talking about my faith and and God. And and that takes courage in this day and age too, is to, is to talk about God because people don't, the the mainstream I, people want to hear i've done enough speeches and, and we follow each other on the speech side you, you you're very nice on your comments on my stuff too i really appreciate that um but that they want to hear it after a speech a corporate event hey thank you for your testimony it's 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 hey thanks for your service but i get more of hey thank you for having the balls or having the guts to talk about god and they, these are anywhere from real estate agents to it people to bankers to and these are just you know the are the people that make this country do go and 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 succeed and and be successful so yeah i i found that god needs to be talked about more because more people at least the mainstream they don't want to talk about it it's not and that makes to my eyes that makes you be a warrior out there continually talk about it do you find that the same because you're doing a lot of speaking too do you get a lot of people coming up after and be honest i may say Oh, no, I really haven't. Or yeah, I do get people coming up and saying, yes, thank you for talking about God or thank you for your testimony. Are, are you seeing it out there as much as I am when I do my speeches? Because I do see it a lot. I see it all the time. And, you know, that truly for me is the fuel to continue going yeah. because full honesty, I don't enjoy getting on stage. Yeah. You know, I'm a helicopter mechanic. Like I find comfort in like troubleshooting a problem. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, to me, the most courageous thing that I'm doing, it wasn't flying in the middle of a hurricane, saving people. That was just my job. I feel like the most heroic thing that I can do now is to stand boldly and share all these bits and pieces of my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, particularly my faith, because the world needs to hear it, like you said. And I find so many times that people are like, wow, like, I can't believe that you not only have gone through what you did, but like that it made you closer to God instead of being pushed further away. Um, And, you know, there's just something beautiful in that and and planting a seed, right? We're just called to plant seeds and I'm not out here to convert the world, but I am here to share my personal testimony. And um, as you know, people uh, look up to that and they, they question it and it gets them to go on their own faith journey. And, um, because of all the questions that I would get after my speaking engagements, um, you know, back on the hangar deck, when the airman used to come to me with a problem, I would say, Hey, come to me, not only with a problem, but a solution. And so I sort of live my life that way that people after my speech would say, Hey, can I talk to you about this circumstance or this? And I felt bad unintentionally dismissing them. And I thought, how can I not do that? So I decided to get my mental health coaching and my life coaching. So that way in that moment, when I'm busy signing books or talking to people, I could say, Hey, here's my card. I care about what you have to say, but let's talk in a more appropriate time so I can give you the attention that I want to give you. So that helped me broaden my spectrum and talk to people. And, um, you know, there's something beautiful in, in sharing our testimonies. It and is. that's cool that that yeah. you were able to like transition what you're doing into other things. And I think that's just how I, you could say God works in our life, but also just how life works. I think that if you're doing something you're passionate about that you you really believe in, it's going to work in your favor and in other avenues. Um, but since since we're talking about the hurricane itself a little bit, I, I actually think we should get into it because 
for this book. That's the defining moment. That's what got you there at the State of the Union. And and actually, if you guys pull up the State of the Union, I'll have Harold put it on here. But I mean, you got a standing ovation from all of Congress. There's very few things that like all of Congress can agree on. But when Trump, you know, talked about your heroism, everybody stood up and applauded. It was cool to see. We heard tales of Americans like Coast Guard Petty Officer Ashley Leppard, who is here tonight in the gallery with Melania. So, um, yeah, I mean, this book, there's other stuff I want to talk about, too, because it's like growing up in Detroit. You have a lot of cool stuff about that family things. But I think the defining moment, what made you write a book was Hurricane Harvey. So, yeah, let's get into it. Well, man, where do I begin? <laughs> so and I think Tonto, you'll agree with me on this. Like we train and we train, but we never really know full to the full extent what mission we're going to go on. It's kind of like day to day all right, we're getting called to go out here. Hey, we got to rescue this person. Let's make a briefing and let's get ready to roll. Hurricane Harvey was a little different because we were all so acutely aware of what we were going to encounter. Like a typical hurricane hits the coast and it dissipates. And then you might have a few rescues and, you know, you move on. But Hurricane Harvey was just chilling for a hot minute. Like, and the flooding just kept going and going and going. And, and I think we just, we were not prepared for it, but, um, being that I was one of the very first helicopters on scene, I think the most devastating part was there was just mad chaos. You know, you, there was people everywhere that needed help and animals that needed help. And so, you know, being intrinsically a, you know, first responder and wanting to help everybody, it was hard for us to streamline it and say, okay, we have to go with the most critical people first. So it was yeah. a, a pregnant woman, you know, who was stuck in her apartment complex about to give birth and then there was you know these children that I had mentioned with feeding tubes and all these things that needed to get from point a to point b so um like it truly was mad chaos and I remember at one point looking up into the horizon and it just it looked so apocalyptic is the best way to describe it it was just like flood I mean all you saw was rooftops and you know random helicopters starting to come on scene just like you just see people hoisted up and hoisted down and, and it was just it was madness but there was such a calming peace uh, throughout me after seeing that cross and knowing like there was angels surrounding us and we were getting the job done uh, now is was it Houston Houston right yeah because Harvey was Houston I'm trying to remember where Harvey was because I'm all, with that how are you getting Mine's more a technical question. Anything? Who was providing you with the orders and, and the people? I, how was it? Just nine one one, or or was there? I mean, how did you know? There's so many people that need to be helped. How did the command structure know who to go get? And, how, and prior, once you know and can get the information, you can prioritize. My guess is like, how the hell were you getting the information? I mean, there's there, everything's down. There's nothing to get the information. Who's how are you calling? Is somebody calling? I guess cell phones. The advantage of cell phones, there's a tower still up. But who's telling you to get those people and where they're at? And then the command structure prioritizes it. I, I've always wondered about that on these big hurricanes or, or natural catastrophes when when just 
common stuff goes down and, and there's no contact with anybody. How do you guys figure it out? I just figured you just fly around and see somebody in a rooftop, you pick them up, but it's not like that. So can you go into that a little bit on the technical side? Or maybe it is like that. I was going to say, <laughs> so like, like off the cuff, be, being that we were like the, you know, one-stop show on scene, um, it was sort of like chaotic. Like we were just looking for people hanging on their roof, waving their shirt, like trying to get us for help. So it was like, boom, 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 just going wherever we saw because there was really not a command center structure and like that typical, hey, here's the coordinates, here's the person in distress. It was just pure chaos, literally. So um, the first day of hoisting was madness. And so we were simply just flying around, seeing who needed help and just getting as many people as possible, landing on the I-10, which was such an odd anomaly to me, like landing on a, you know, a highway Um, But our drop-off zone was the convention center. So um, it was just keep on rolling, hot refuel, keep on rolling, hot refuel. Um, But as the days progressed and we recognized really quickly that this was um, far bigger of an emergency than we had planned on, um, that's when we had more of an operations center giving us, um, you know, we, they had calls coming in, 911 calls, and believe it or not, um, Facebook and like social media was like a huge um, way for people to just put their message out so they could get, get help, but um Truth be told, I really couldn't tell you a whole lot of the operations aspect of it, being that I was on the flight crew and I was just, whenever we got a call, it was like, Roger that, we're going. Um, But as the days progressed and um, the, you know, importance of this sort of grew, we kind of streamlined, okay, all the calls are going to be funneled into the operations center. And then they were diverting different helicopters to different areas. And so it kind of became a little bit more structured, but I mean, it was all hell broke loose the first day. It was like, do what you can do. (laughs) And I guess that's what I was getting. I was like, is it because I always wondered, you guys just a bunch of helicopters flying in and how do you not crash into each other? Who is the air traffic? That's my dumb ranger mindset. I'm thinking all this tactical stuff and technical stuff where where I guess I'm just trying not, I should be thinking about human life. I'm thinking, how the hell are they doing this with no, no coordination? But that's cool. And that shows the, that shows the greatness of the training that shows the greatness of 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 military and paramilitary and the mindset of hey we just gotta go get the job done let's get in there and we'll figure it out and that's actually that's how i don't care who we ranger seal so forth yeah we have a command structure but half the time or if not 75 percent of the time it's let's go we'll figure it out we'll get it figured out on the way i can't i think that's what pissed us most off about when guys too is is that they wouldn't that's what we wanted to do just let us go and then yeah we don't know what that was going on but we're not going to know anything from here can we just go and and uh having a command that lets you do that i think you showed again and it showed many other other aspects many other teams out there have shown that as well a command structure that trusts its unit that says just go we'll get you we'll get you spun up along the way is more successful than one that just tries to hold on to you and say hey no you ain't doing anything till because we're command and control we gotta you're doing shit because we don't trust you exactly i i i i I say that you guys did an outstanding job because yeah your command structure said hey we got you guys got just go we'll get you spun up as you get there and and did you feel that way i i'm i'm assuming this as i'm talking to you that you did but it sounds like you guys had a tremendous command structure 
Well, thank you. And, and I will take the thanks on behalf of all the crews that were out there. I never take solo credit, as you know, it yeah. takes a team to get the job yes, done yes. for sure. Um, but let me tell you the coolest part that I think looking back at it is you have one unit, right? And you normally fly with the same pilots, the same rescue swimmers, you, you have the same area of responsibility. So you know where the towers are, you know where the, but the coolest part about Hurricane Harvey, in my opinion, was we were thrown into a new environment where we didn't know where the risks were. We didn't know the area of responsibility. We were thrown into a helicopter with brand new pilots that we never flew with, with swimmers that wow. we may have known, and we did the job seamlessly. And to me, that is a testament of the hard dedication and the training, um, the training program of all the Coast Guard units that like, it's all the same. I could go anywhere and fly with any pilot and we're gonna know how to get the job done. The SOPs are, yeah, the SOPs are standard and that's for everybody. And we're not, we're not filching it for this person, this person, we're keeping the standards. A lot of businesses and actually the government in itself that we have, especially currently, could learn from that standard operating procedures and we don't fudge them for anybody. If you don't pass, you don't pass, you can't work those SOPs down, then you don't, you're not belong to crew, but it is a testament. Bring guys in. Hey, we never work together, but we have the same SOPs. We can go get the job done. And, and again, you're in a testament to many, uh, that many teams out there that in, in the military itself, especially special operations community itself as well. That's how we worked. And, and uh, I'm a testament to that as well, to have it, and also having just tremendous people that to work around. You're only as good as your team. You're only as good as your person right and left. You, and I can honestly say that as well. So um, I, I, I wanted to, and you know, I, I don't want people to buy your book. I do, but I did want you to talk the actual event, the, the big one, rescuing the, the children, because, um, hey, I hate turbulence, just normal turbulence. And so uh, <laughs> I want to know when you're, if you can, can you talk about from, uh, and we got about eh, about 25 minutes left or so, if you got enough time, can you talk about that actual op and, and even get detailed? Because I want to be on my seat like this, because just feeling the turbulence as you're talking about it, if, if you can, without giving so much away that you know, people don't want to go buy your book. Which They're going to buy the book regardless. Okay. I just want to make sure. I just want to, I'm trying to Because I can tell you as someone who read, not the whole thing, but, it, but I, I did get a chance to read through your book. And I mean, there's so much in here about growing up, about your experience. So yeah, but anyway. So good, Jared. So Ian's backing me up there. Can, can you talk about, yeah. if you're willing to, I would love to hear from start to finish um, in your words right here. I, I, cause it, it's, it, it is, it's something that I can imagine just the, just the adrenaline and, and I'd like to hear it if you can. Absolutely. I'm not even going to lie. My hands are sweating right now. Like it all, like it all just comes back to me and, and I, I enjoy talking about it. Um, but it definitely like, there's that, um, that trigger of like going back and, and unfolding it. But, um, first of all, I have to say you guys are phenomenal for like a marketing team. Like you guys are like doing the jam here for uh, sharing. Stories. So thank you. No, but I, and, and I mean, I, sh I will say, I really appreciate you like sending it out. I love when we get hard copies. I love that you personally signed it. You know, last episode I was speaking with Matt waters and I was, he was talking about moving, right. And all the stuff you have to move with. And I'm like, I have so many books over the years that, special operators military people have signed to me personally it's like i can't get rid of those i like i yeah. those will always be with me and that, that's such a valuable thing to have um i would never get you know so i i value each of those books that i get from people who've been on the show or even want to be on the show that signed a book to me personally but uh, no i we appreciate it and and yeah we'd love to hear you know that whole story 
Thank you. Well, I appreciate you guys. So I'm just glad you enjoyed my story. And hopefully you learned a little bit more about Coast Guard Aviation because a lot of people out there have no clue what we do. And I'm like, yeah. yo, we're the first line of defense in the U.S. Like we're we're doing law enforcement, drug and addiction, migrant operations. I, mean, I watch Deadliest Catch all the time. You guys are out there saving people's asses. Thank I, I, you. I, no, the Coast Guard, the rescue... If I was would have went to the Coast Guard instead of the Rangers, I would have wanted to become a rescue because I, there's some cool shit out there, man. And, and I tell you, man, flying into those storms, yeah, that's why I want to hear it because I, I, I said I, that wasn't my job. We never flew into storms like going into the teeth of a hurricane and in a helicopter. And I, I love helicopters, so that's why I want to hear. I think that's probably one of the coolest things that I have not done yet. Probably will never do because it's okay. I've done my thing. I don't need the adrenaline rush anymore. But I still would want to hear about it. So I want to hear from your point of view what that was like. For sure. You got it. Well, I will say that it would be super rad to fly in a helicopter with you and do some missions just for just for the record. I'm too old and my knees hurt too much. Same. I, would be, I can't do it. Same. I'm like at the age where I'm like hurting myself in my sleep and I'm waking up. I'm like, dude, I'm only 38. How is this possible? But I'm, I'm only 27. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, so, okay, let me take you back to August, I believe it was 27th, 2017. Um, this is kind of a cool story, precursor to the actual mission of, of with the babies, but one of my rescue swimmers um, that I happen to have been stationed in Detroit with, um, he had been stationed in Corpus Christi at the time of Hurricane Harvey, and this was the second day. So everybody was kind of swarming in from all units, just sending, you know, all hands on deck kind of mission. And my rescue swimmer on this second day of mission happened to be a rescue swimmer, Troy Ramsdell, that I had trained up in Detroit. So it was super cool to be like, we pounded fists real quick. And I was like, bro, you're my rescue swimmer. And he's like, ah, oh, you're my flight mechanic. So it was a really cool moment um, doing a quick pre-flight on the helicopter and kind of prepping for like, man, it's shit's about to go down kind of thing. Um, so anyways, we, we get a call and I still to this day don't know exactly where the location was, but it was either a children's recovery facility or was something where there was just a mass amount of children with different, um, you know, issues that needed to be out. So we fly to this area. So, I mean, and it's just crazy because we're in the smallest helicopter the Coast Guard has. It is a short range recovery MH-65 Dolphin. So like you blow on it and it's like, woo, you know, like it does not handle turbulence and wind well, but the pilots are super amazing at what they do. And they kept a steady, a, a steady course, but so we get this call to go out. We're on this mission. We got the coordinates. They're like, all right, be prepared. A lot of people out there. Um, but backtracking, I did not know this. We did not know this at the time that there was a bunch of children there. They just said, hey, here's the coordinates. Roll out. People are in trouble. So we get there and um, I con the, the pilots into position, which means that I'm I'm literally at this point hanging out of the helicopter. I'm you know keeping the pilots in position. I'm lowering my rescue swimmer down on the hook, and I mean there's a huge tree behind us. There's power lines in front of us. So I'm, I mean my head's on a swivel, constantly keeping the pilots in check and making sure we don't hit anything. And I lower the swimmer down. He's in the water, and I see you know slowly we're getting people in. We fill the cabin up, we drop them off at the convention center, but the second sortie out, I lower my swimmer down and I notice that he puts a woman into the basket and I see just bundles of what I thought at the time to be like clothes. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, Troy, bro, like 
stop putting this lady's clothes in the basket. Like we need to save room for humans, man. Like, what are you doing? But as you know, you just trust your team. I'm like, he knows what he's doing down there. I'm just going to trust him. So this is the last hoist. There's a woman in what I think to be five bundles of clothing and I'm hoisting her up. I slide her into the cabin with the basket. I disconnect, lower it down just enough time to get my rescue swimmer before it's like bingo and we got to go. We're out of fuel. So as I finally get him in the, in the cabin and, and mind you, there's five to six other people and their babies already in there. So we're crammed tight. And I have my rescue swimmer and I'm holding on to him and we're heading over to the landing zone. And I happen to look back and she's undoing the, the mother in the basket is undoing these bundles. And I see these little baby eyes staring up at me and I'm like, holy crap. And then she undoes the second bundle and there's another baby and then another and another. And soon there's four little sets of baby eyes staring up at me. And I'm just like, I get chills thinking about it now because you know, it's such a profound moment recognizing like what you're doing because you're so numb to it. You're compartmentalizing the mission and the emotional aspect of it. But then in that moment, I'm seeing these four little babies looking up at me and I'm like, wow, like we're out here doing the Lord's work, man. Like we're like saving these people from potentially dying. Like it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was a moment that I will never forget looking into those babies' eyes and just remembering like the mission and, and the danger of what was what was happening around us. Yeah. How were you able to hold it together? I just, uh, me, I just would look away. I, I, and not because I was, it's because I don't, hey, no, 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 don't cry. Don't get, look away now. I'm not, because I got to stay in the, you got to stay focused. And, and you can, there's time for crying. And I always thought this, there's, there'll be time for crying. There'll be time for high fives down when i'm done all right but right now but there are some where you see something like oh my that's getting to me all right walk away and some people see that as insensitivity i just that was just the way for me to maintain my composure is that what you did just looked away and found found a job to do found something to do to keep your mind off it or or did you break down that's exactly what i did as i looked away there was actually um, I want to say a little boy about seven years old or so, and I gave him my flight mechanic seat and he was sitting there by himself and I'll never forget his little legs were just trembling because he was so cold. And so I took my attention off the babies and all that that was happening and the feeding tube with the baby in the back and I just, I got the survival blanket out and I wrapped it on his legs and I was like, I gave you the best seat in the house, you know, in that <laughs> moment it was just like a way for me to like make this little boy's day because he had just left a horrific situation and now he's flying in a helicopter and I tried to make light of the situation and sure. um I just couldn't look at those little babies especially since like we thought one was not alive at first and that's Ooh. that's a whole nother story but I let my I, I gave my rescue swimmer that <laughs> kind of task to handle and I put my focus on trying to make this little boy's helicopter ride the best ride of his life that's and so you, cool you I, I was gonna that was I, 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 the, the joking. I, I tell people this laughter movies and the bravado. That's why I do love our movie. They got the jokes that actually happen under duress. All that Jack Ashry, all the comments, all the all the sayings from bad movies where there's Team America or Tropic Thunder. Those things happen. And you're like, hey, you got the best seat in the house. 
laughter is what gets you through that stressful moments. And that's, that's where a lot of movies that get out there, the bravado's there, but they miss all that funny Jack Ashery that goes on. And you just proved it again. Like, what did you do under all that stress? I made a fucking joke. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. So I'm sorry, you know, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, no. But, and that's cool. I mean, because you've said this before on the show. And, and I do think, yeah, it's reflected when we have stories like this. Um, you know, what I was going to say is you said earlier in the interview and, and you say it in the book, too. I mean, you don't do it for the accolades or the awards. That's that's not why you do this. But I have to wonder, what was it like when you got the call? We're going to have you as the guest at the State of the Union address. You're going to be sitting next to the First Lady, Melania Trump. I mean, what was the phone call like? I mean, was it a shock to you? And what, what was it like, you know, being in, because I've been in the room. I mean, it's like a small room. It's not as big as it looks on TV. And being the center of attention for this, like, monumental event. Um, I don't even know where to begin because it was wild. Like, I still feel like it was a dream. And, um... On the hangar deck, we joke all the time. Like that's a part of, like you said, is is decompression and being able to lighten um, the mood because we do some heavy missions and some heavy stuff. But um, when I got the call, I had my phone on silent and I was doing heavy maintenance on the and the aircraft. And I had my phone on silent, but it was on vibrate and it kept vibrating. So I would look at it and it would be like a blocked call. So I would send it to voicemail and be like, man, who's calling me? They know it's a work day. And then I would put the phone back in my pocket. And then again, they would call a block number. I'm like, Psh. so like after the third or fourth time, I don't remember. I finally answered and I was like, hello. Like I was so rude because I thought it was like a telemarketer. And it was like this sweet lady. And she was like, hey, this is so-and-so uh, calling from the White House on behalf of President Trump and the first lady. And I was like, I instantly looked around the hangar deck. I'm like, who's playing a joke on me in here? You know, like that never happens. Um, but like, it was legit, bro. And I was like, cool. So I obviously got the invitation, had no clue, like zero idea, like the extent of what it was. I thought like, oh, cool. I'll sit in the back row, peanut gallery. Like maybe I'll get a picture with like a senator or something cool. But like sitting in that front row, that's when I realized I was like, I looked over to um, Karen Pence, the vice president, uh, the second lady at the time, and I was like, I'm getting a little nervous. Like, is he going to talk about me in his speech? Like, I'm. what do I do? And thank God I asked that question because she's like, the proper protocol is that you stay seated for the standing ovation. Like, everybody's supposed to stand and clap at you. Like, thank God, because I would have just stood up and been like, oh, like, what do I do? <laughs> So like, and, and I didn't realize that I was going to be spoken about, let alone in the first five minutes. And on top of that, have two standing ovations. Ashley was aboard one of the first helicopters on the scene in Houston during the Hurricane Harvey. Through 18 hours of wind and rain, Ashley braved live power lines and deep water to help save more than 40 lives. Ashley, we all thank you. Thank you very much. mind-blowing and the entire time I just kept saying to myself like thank you God because I knew that I was going to utilize that blessing as a platform to share my story and, and pique the interest of people so I could talk about my faith and my my journey 
did they take care of you? Did they put you up somewhere nice? If they did, those cheap bastards. Let's talk about that. <laughs> let's let's get on them right now. They better put you up at least. Not and not even the Ritz in Pentagon City, guys. That that place way overrated. Terrible, terrible. Even though you're put way too much money. Where they put you up at, and did they take care of you? And they fly you first class out there too. Um, be no. honest, be honest. Those cheap bastards. I I'm gonna need it. you to I pull some it. strings and make some phone calls. I need a redo because I don't feel like I got the treatment. Neither of us well, are politically connected, especially not with the current administration. Oh yeah, but I, I politicians have no don't regard which side it's on anymore. They, they both hate me, which is fine. That's how I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that, but. Yeah, just, let's call them so out. Wait, where did they? Day. Yeah, where did they have you? Yeah, honestly, good. I don't remember. It was, um, I think it was downtown somewhere. Dang, you put me on the spot. I'm gonna have to look it up. It was all a dream to me. It, it wasn't. Was cool. Then it wasn't that nice. Then those fucking cheap bastards. God, Paul, yeah. they got money <laughs> up the what? They can at least put you up at the Hilton or something down in downtown DC. That's actually a nice place. Nice it's place. cool though that that. But I that's mean, cool. You got yeah. to be a part of it, regardless, <laughs> for sure. Um, you know what? One thing I, I also wanted to make sure that we hit on. Um, you know, you mentioned this earlier that you have an autoimmune disease, yet you were yeah, still able yeah. to serve and all that. You, you I, know, I have I, Crohn's disease, so that's why I, I definitely yeah, want to hit I, up on that. But what I, what I wanted to ask, though, is like, I get the feeling from this book that you love serving, <clears throat> that this is something you were born to do, that you would have loved to have continued, and you had to medically retire. I mean, what was that like? You know, I, I bleed red, white, and blue. Like, I love this country so much, dude. It was it was absolutely devastating. And I was at the peak of my career. You know, obviously, Hurricane Harvey, I was a flight mechanic instructor. So I was now training people to go out and do these rad missions. So, like, it broke my heart. It really did. But, um, you know, the beautiful thing about God is that he always redirects your path yeah. to something greater. And um, yep. I feel yep. like my time had ended. I feel like Hurricane Harvey was like, okay, we're going out with a bang, which was pretty cool. That's how my career ended. But, um, you know, I was heartbroken for a while, particularly because that was my family. You know, my uh, my father had passed away and my mom was in Pennsylvania with my sister. So like the Coast Guard was my family. And I would think I was more upset about departing from that um that lifestyle and that comfortability, if you will. Um, but again, like it, it, it just, it sucked, but I was more concerned with my health and focusing on, you know, diagnosing of my autoimmune disease, healing from the trauma that I had for so long, kind of, um, you're supposed to compartmentalize, but then you're supposed to decompress at some point, because if you don't, then, you know, you're just <laughs> setting yourself up for failure. So I learned a lot through that process. Um, but it's been a ride, man. It's been a ride, and I'm grateful to be where I'm at. Well, well I, I got to ask a follow-up to that go, real quick. Go ahead, that's all right. Because, no, go ahead, buddy. No, no, no. But uh, what you're saying reminded me of something. When you said, like, you went out with a bang, Hurricane Harvey, like, great way to end it. It reminds me of um, – so I read Buzz Aldrin. He's had several books, but I read Magnificent De Desolation, which was specifically about, like, after the moon landing. And he got involved in alcohol and he got very depressed. There were like weeks on end. The guy didn't want to leave his bed. And like the main point of that story was like, after you walked on the moon, what the hell else am I going to do that is ever going to top that? And they had, um, he was like, if you read this book, it's crazy. They had Buzz Aldrin like signing autographs at like a vacuum store and stuff like that. Like stuff that's kind of demeaning after, because this was before public speaking was a thing. And when he came out as an alcoholic, people were saying like, you're never gonna get booked for anything again. Like this was before it was okay to talk about your mental health and addictions. Like you had to be the strong alpha male, like representative of the US. You, you went to the moon 
And yeah, he got extremely depressed after that. So I just wonder for you, after like, I rescued newborns in a hurricane, I was at the State of the Union, it's probably like a humbling thing, like in the negative sense to come down from that and say, all right, like, you may feel like I'm never going to do anything this badass again in my life. Without a doubt. Uh, I mean, I, I you you nailed it. That's a, kind of exactly how I felt. And um, on top of it, it's funny because Chris, you can you can understand the um, the military camaraderie. Like on sure. the hangar deck, these are all my brothers, right? So like they'd be like, "Oh, go save a bunch of lives, go to the presidential state of the union." <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd have given I'd have given you a rash of shit. Oh I'd yeah, I'd they, they like, did. Yeah. They did. I mean, <laughs> and it was awesome. I mean, I can take it. You know, I razz them right back, but. Um, truth be told, like underlying uh, of all the joking, like it definitely hurt because I was like, man, like I, you guys don't get it. Like I want to be on the hangar deck turning wrenches. I want to be out doing these late night missions with you. But like, um, so to, to full circle with my autoimmune, um, what I had been feeling for a couple of years now at that point was there was like a weird disconnect neurologically with me. Like I was pretty fit. I was healthy. I was going to the CrossFit gym. I was working out. And there was a couple of times where I'd be doing pushups and like, I would just fall on my face and I would be like, dude, that's so weird. Like what, like my body would just shut down or like, I would be at the end of the day, I would be like trying to chew my food and like my facial muscles, like weren't working. It was just so random and weird. Um, so finally, like after the hurricane, when I felt my body really shut down from all the stress, lack of sleep, I mean, that's when my symptoms really exploded. I got scared at that point because up until that point during Hurricane Harvey, I never thought that what I was dealing with and trying to self-diagnose was going to affect anybody else. But during Hurricane Harvey, when I felt my body like slowly shutting down, I was scared. I was like, man, I'm supposed to be able to pull these 250 pound men into this cabin and if I physically can't do it like that scares me um so I knew it was time for me to focus on my health and um the autoimmune diagnosis uh was called myasthenia gravis uh, I think I'm saying that correctly but it's um it's a rare autoimmune and basically it affects the way my nerves and my muscles communicate um being that I was in aviation, they're very strict with what medication oh, yeah. they can take and all yeah. that, as you know. So I got grounded and went through the whole med board and which was, which was hard because then I became like a training petty officer and I was just sitting at the computer doing all the admin stuff while my homies were doing cool rescues. And I was like, oh. but, um, you know, it's all good. Like I said, God has, uh, opened this path for me and I'm grateful that I can still have an opportunity to talk about my amazing Coast Guard career with people like you guys. Right. And it, it, I get, I get it. It's tough when, when you can't end on your own terms. And I've had buddies that have, have Rob Jabber, guess we had it on who, yeah. who still struggles a bit when he, he biggest car bomb in Iraq and he survived it at ground zero, but he, of course he can't work anymore. And he's, it still bothers him a little bit that he couldn't, he couldn't retire on his own terms. Of course he was medical and he can't deploy him. And, and that's hard to do. And me, even myself, I, you know, I would, my, I was met boarded out as well and thought the end of the world. And then all of a sudden contracting opened up and I was able to go and God always opens a door. You, you just have to look for it. And, and that's definitely what he's doing for you is the doors there. Now you made the choice to step through it, which is good. A lot of, and, and just so you know, Ashley guys is a gender neutral term on our show. When I say guys, I mean, men and women, I just, that's how I say it. So when guys, can't step through that door is when that's when they have issues 
things and they can't let go. And like, I know I'm staying here. I'm going to get better. I'm going back out. I'm, I'm going to do that damn rescue mission. I'm going back out to Iraq. It's like, no, no it's, it's time. Go through the door. There's wonderful stuff on that other side. And, and, and from what I've seen and what you're doing, it sounds like you have, but um, making that conscious effort to step through that door to continue on that next path. And was that hard for you to do to finally, we, you, you actually have done it. We've talked about it, but and we got a couple minutes left here. I wanted to ask is, was that hard to step through that door? And you, you, cause you do have to let go of the, we have that saying in our, I'm 2000 miles from being cool again. You know, I'm done. Did you have that? Like, okay, I'm done. I, I did it. I know I can do it again. If I need to break in case of glass, I got to let go of being, that's what I thought cool was when it's not what cool is. Cool is what you make of it. But was it hard for you to let that go? Obvious it was. How did you do it? I know it was hard. How did you do it? It, it was hard, but there was a moment. Well, first of all, I'll say this. Healing from my trauma and facing that that I'd never dealt with probably was harder to me than anything I've ever gone through in my life. Um, so I'll just say that. But I think as military members and first responders, we're very quick to align our identity with our job. The game-changing moment for me was when I recognized that my identity was in Jesus Christ and it wasn't in who I was or who, what I've done or any rescue that I've done. There is such a freedom in that that has given me the ability not only to heal, but to help others find their own identity and heal from their own traumas and not even military members, but civilians alike. It's, um, it's a game changing moment for me, Chris. You did. You, did. you let the narcissism, we all are narcissistic when we go, we are, you, I talk about me, you talk, I did that. I, we have that narcissism in it, but when we're able to let all that narcissism go and, and we all have, it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to have a little, be a little bit narcissistic, have a little bit of that ego. That's how we get through shit. But you and you have the ability to let it go. Like, okay, I'm letting, I, that's not my identity. I'm letting my narc, my bit of narcissism go so I can help others. That's, that's tremendous. Honestly, I couldn't say it better than you just did. And you said it in three words. I said it like in 20 because I'm not a smart man. Um, but but also, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go. Sorry. Sorry. I'm a oh. chatter. You know, here I go. But no, I that's what you, you got to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like in closing statement, I think um, for me anyway, the fact that I can still serve my country, like I can't physically go out in a helicopter and save people, but like the people that I encounter and the lives that I can touch and help them emotionally, spiritually, I feel like I'm still out there on a mission truthfully. And that's what gives me um, the ability to find purpose in life still. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome, man. Right. Just to know that my life story has helped one human being. Dude, that's a yeah. win-win. No, that's keep, awesome. Keep, I mean, and you keep doing it. Just keep Yeah. You it. seem well adjusted after all of this and, and you're doing great things. Are, are you still, uh, are you still in Michigan or is that where you are now? I'm living in Florida, the greatest oh, nice, state in, nice. in my opinion. I'm right here on the Emerald Coast. It's so beautiful and sunny and beaches all day. Yeah, as Chris knows, I mean, and, and the audience kind of knows, I've thought about moving there many times and, and maybe I will at some point, but uh, th there are still things I love about New York. I, I do love Florida though. Um, you know what, the last thing I got to ask, as long as this isn't too personal, because this has to kind of suck for you. I don't know the circumstances, but it's like you put all this work into this book you do State of the Union. Everybody knows the name Ashley Leppert. That's your Instagram handle. Um, the name changed. Divorce, marriage. Like what? What happens? Marriage. Yeah. Oh. Hey, listen, I waited 36 years <laughs> to find my man, and I'm telling you, it's worth the wait. 
Um, so yeah. Did you, but did you want to be like, Hey, I'm devoted to you, but I've built a career off this name. Cause personally, I would want to keep my I name. I like that at least you didn't do the damn point. hyphen. I, you, that's a strong woman, right? Not that ones that did the high. Oh, I hate the hyphen. What? Yeah. yeah that, but if, if, if you put out awesome. books and all of a sudden you have to be Chris something else, that kind of has to suck because ah, you spent fuck. a lot of time building a, a career. Fuck, dude. Hey, but listen, I'm a, I'm a traditional woman, even though I'm, I'm badass and I've done crazy <laughs> stuff. I, I embrace the fact that I'm a woman and that I can take my husband's name, but he does know that I still have my name out there as Ashley Lepper, like for Instagram and different things. Well, he's cool with it. He's pretty chill. So, nice. you, you get, that's good. Well, it's good to have you. And you know, the only reason, like I said, we're, well, we could keep my 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 wife who runs the damn house. She has volleyball practice and can't already start with my daughter, and nobody's home to watch my eight year old. So I got to get home to watch watch my boy. So, uh, but like I said, I said I told you she didn't. I tell you he he didn't think you'd be getting. No, I'm I'm fucking with you. He definitely no didn't. no. It is funny though. I'll, I'll tell you why I laughed about it. There have been various interviews over the years. Where yeah, the interview man. hasn't even started, and Chris goes, "We'll have you back on." And they, and, and, they, kind, like, and they were kind of, eh, but no, but at some point. But the truth is, I mean, there's so many people to get on. So I don't know if it'll be a year from now or two years from now. Yeah. And 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 hopefully, if you write another book, I mean, that would be awesome. But um, once again, I mean, the website for people is still yeah. once again AshleyLeppert.com uh, at Ashley underscore Leopard underscore inspires on Instagram. And I already, I will say, I now, I now know because you mentioned, I butchered your current last name at the top of the show and I'm not going to re-record it, but Ashley Albright, right. I'm saying it properly now. So when you hear top of show, no disrespect to your husband, I, I got his last name wrong. Um, but it was, this was a great discussion and look, truthfully over the years doing this show, it just because of how things are and that we're very like special operations focused, it is like 90% guys that we have on. And I do think a lot of the times people forget that there are women who do really badass stuff. And like this book is indicative of that and people need to hear it. I mean, because there probably are young females out there who, who don't know that there's a path to do what you did and so. pan over and do that again. Cause we didn't see that. Here, hold on. Let's get you. You, gotta, you got, have to uh, say, something, say, something, so say, something, say something. All right, you guys. Woo. Oh, and okay, you can say all the nice stuff while we're recording, but I want a full debrief when we get done on where I screwed up so I can do better next time. All right, yeah, yeah. all right, yeah, uh, maybe a hundred push ups. There's like 10 no. fuck ups, it's okay, just 10. The only screw up I know of is before the interview started, Chris being like, We'll have you first thing, we'll have you back on. Hey, I always put, I, I don't have to worry about it. Ian's the one that schedules, so that's like, I can say whatever because really, it's, I have no, I'm guilt free to say that because if we don't have you back on. You can blame Ian. Say it's not my fault. That's why he's like, you son of a bitch. You know what, though? I can't you believe you to, said that. I'll say this. You need to have someone in studio there at some point. There's actually never been like an Ian Scotto free episode. And it's I'm I'm down to not come on yeah. if he has someone in studio at some hey, point. Hey, so. When anybody wants to come to my po that nobody's coming where I, I I'm 150, I'm 150 miles from an interstate. You know where I am. There ain't nobody yeah. coming here. People would come out. People would come out. I, I think uh, if you invited someone to come, like Ashley's already saying, Ashley, will you fly to some remote town in Kansas to be on the podcast in studio? Bro, I'm in. You have the right whiskey and the right topic to talk I about. Got, hey, I got, she called you out. I got three Rangers whiskey. I got Tano vodka. We're covered. Woo! We're covered. Um, we're and, covered. and then very last thing, I know Chris has to go. We're going to do a guest-free episode. This is your last chance to send in any questions for us. So battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. 
uh, leave a review on Apple podcast, leave a, um, a comment if you're on YouTube and all that other good stuff. And thank you so much for coming. Yeah. On. Thanks Ashley. And I, I'm thank sorry. To, I just, I got to get home to my boy, but awesome. Keep doing awesome stuff. And, and Hey, if you hit, I don't ever answer my DMS on. So don't think I'm ignoring you on IG. If there's somewhere hit up in, and then he'll get the, whatever you need. I mean, for, if you got a question or comment or something's going on that, that I have an answer, just hit them up there. Cause I just, I don't look at them anymore. I just, they're too, too time consuming and it takes away from my family. So I apologize. All good. I, I totally get that. Roger that boss. Thank All you right. so much for your time. All right, Ashley, talk to you later. Tell your husband hi for me and yeah, kick him in his nuts since you, you wear the pants in that family. All right. <laughs> he knows, he knows. He knows. <laughs> That's all for this episode of battle line podcast, but we're always posting new content on social media. Follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. That's an order. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes up every Tuesday. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. Believe in yourself. Face all challenges head on. And as always, never quit.